howdy folks, and welcome to episode nine of an evening with Dead Pit. I'm the Creepy Kentucky. And I'm Uncle Bill. How you doing? I guess y'all thought we weren't going to do a show for Halloween. We almost did, not I, I thought it there yeah, for you. Thanks to your ass going to Walmart for and me. staying all goddamn It was night. me. I didn't even go in Walmart. Well, whoever. I blame you. <laughs> you allowed it to happen. I did. It was a bad oh. situation. Just a suggestion, though, and it, this is the truth. Like, it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is, on what day it is, Walmart's always going to be fucking packed around here. Especially in Pikeville. Yes. Yeah. That particular That's the closest store. thing to hell on earth I can... <laughs> whatever reason yeah, the one in pikeville you can go through our four o'clock in the morning and it still looks like there's a damn high school football game in that parking lot <laughs> i don't get it either it's not like that store has some magical like stuff in it that other walmarts don't have it's the same fucking store yeah i'll never figure that out speaking of which you got black friday coming up here shortly which i know yeah just no i'm just, too old yeah. for that stay the fuck away from that walmart in particular i hit the one in pressenburg and paintsville you can get all of your shit done in those stores. You know, I could not imagine going and fooling with them motherfuckers. My thing, I swear to God, like I've gotten now to the point where I pretty much try to buy everything I possibly can online. Like I don't even try to go to a store if I can, especially Walmart if I can help it. I just try to get. It's almost become like a yearly tradition where it's kind of like going, it's kind of like an amusement park ride or something like that. But even I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine going to Pikeville Walmart for Black Friday no. or whatever they call it. What do they call it? Brown Thursday? <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Because uh, you eat so much, you'd be shitting all day. i tell you something funny. On Brown though. Thursday. Speaking of like ordering stuff online real quick, did you see that new thing Amazon's wanting to do where they want to have people like deliver stuff inside your house? Well, I saw something about the Amazon ice cream truck or whatever the hell it is, where they it kind of drives around. They kind of drive <laughs> around. Ice cream truck. <laughs> it's like, hello, kids. We got shit here from Amazon. I didn't see that, but that'd be a great idea. Yeah. Now this, this is how plays the music. They stuff and they want drum. like here. Here's what you do. You sign up for this service. You give them like a password or something for your house, right? And they come in. Go in your house, drop off. How your do packages. they come in the house? I don't know if it's something where you have to give them a key, give them a key <laughs> or if they like have to make a key. It, but like when that they sound, that sounds dangerous. When they it come sound in, like a good idea. Here's the way they've got it set up. When they come in, they've got like a body camera that they have to turn on like immediately when they come in to record them dropping this stuff out. So there's no like they can't go back and say that like they fucked up your house something like that and then they send you the camera footage to your phone about them dropping it off in your house but my thing is some of these guys would have to know how to get around that like if you know anything about like electronics or anything like that you could probably like fucking like switch it to another camera or something and then go in there and like the house and be like here yeah i think that's going a little bit too far yeah okay is it that big of a deal to not leave it on your porch? Apparently it is, if they're even thinking about doing this. <laughs> uh, you ordered a TV. I'm going to come in and plug it in and make sure it works for well, you. like what happened with Jess about two or three years ago, where a bunch of stuff got dropped off on her porch from Amazon, and then them fucking holler monkeys over there stole it off her porch. It was Christmas gifts for yeah, Piver. And then probably shit on her porch. Probably. That's how it goes around here. So, but, yeah. Uh, it it is upon us the holiday season of course we're here and on on uh halloween and actually 
the next day, uh, November 1st, the worst day of the year, uh, that I guess is when everybody goes into high gear for, you know, Christmas season. And, I dread it. Yeah. It's going to be rough. What's going to be the Christmas toy this year, the toy that everybody wants? Is it going to be the new creepy-ass Teddy Ruxpin that's out? Probably not. I don't, think I don't know. Kids... I haven't heard like a bunch of kids. Like, there usually be a couple years in between like these huge toys where there's not yeah. something that's like amazing. It was those damn Hatchimals. Yeah, or finger fucking Elmo like, or something like that. <laughs> finger fucking, yeah. That's a popular one around here. Yeah, that was a really popular one, the finger fucking Elmo. With, you had to pay extra if you wanted lube. It came with a little like personal bottle. Yeah, warming jelly <laughs> for Elmo. Flavored. <laughs> oh, I am uh, sticking in. Oh, uh, but yeah. uh, I don't know. Like, Christmas takes on a whole new meaning when you're buying shit for kids. You just, like, dread it. You're like, God. Yeah, because right. kids nowadays are greedy. Well, that's true. They get everything and, they want all year round. So, and you know, the, Christmas just the time simple comes. fact of, like, everything's expensive as hell and everything kids want's like, electronic now. Like, you couldn't give. Give a kid like a GI Joe or something. Now they wouldn't. They'd stick it up their butt. They wouldn't even know what to do with it. That's true. Oh. One of the more popular items, I guess, of the holiday season that we'll, you know, we'll definitely need to talk about is the Nintendo Switch, and we both have one. Yep. So I was talking to a girl at work that was thinking about getting one of these for her young son. I think he's like four, five, something like that. Even though the game system is cool and everything. I would seriously not buy one for a little kid simply because like, okay, you see the game cases in the stores, but when you open the case up and see how damn tiny that game is, yeah, like that was just marketing for Nintendo. They're thinking, Oh shit, we're going to get these. All these little kids, they're going to lose every goddamn game. They got, <laughs> and they have to rebuy them. That's what's going to happen. It is. How big would you say it is? Like the size of a half that iPod or something. Not even half the iPod. It's a. It's like the size of a of a SD card. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tiny. Like you could seriously fit five or six games up your ass easy. <laughs> See, like you know, I'm yeah. exactly well, how many games. The new jigsaws coming out. Oh, so God, I saw that. I saw the preview. I mean, think of think of the technology now. You want to play a game? You can play six or seven of them up jigsaw's <laughs> ass now. He could shove every yeah. like, thing ever happened to him. Up yeah, his they ass. could make fifteen more saw movies in right diary in format. Yeah. yeah. Man, you can play Jigsaw's game on the Nintendo this, Switch. This, <laughs> Portable. This could go. Take it everywhere. This could go like down a rabbit hole of like a thousand things. But I recently, in the last two days, tried to watch Saw and Saw Two again. Just Why? To have like to have like Halloween movies to watch I hadn't seen in a while. Those movies, they just don't. It's like when you. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like when you hear a song you don't like, it just doesn't like enter into your brain or something. Those movies are just fucking. They don't stay with you. I still can't remember what happened in Saw 2. Yeah, I, I have no idea. There was one particular person on uh, Facebook that did, for, I don't know. Maybe they just like torturing herself. Maybe they're really bored. I saw Marathon before the new Jigsaw movie came out. The seven Saw movies. Right? I don't think I could ever watch like three through whatever it goes to again. I don't know. Purposely. I don't think I could watch any of them again. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of any other series that over the last, what, it's been going on for, what, 12, 13 years? When, when did the first one come out? I don't even remember. 2000? Did it come out in 2000? I thought, yeah. I, don't I, know. Can't, I mean, that's one of those ones I can't really remember, that, but it was pretty but, early. I mean, the franchise itself is just totally 
like the value of it. Like you can find all what seven, however many there are, in any pawn shop in America. One purchase, seven movies. I guarantee they're in there with both the Boogeyman movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that what was that one, the Tooth Fairy, and like a couple other ones like that. Did you yeah. get like twenty five cents? I mean, you're just going to see like yeah, Darkness Falls. There's right. a whole like slew right. of movies that were kind of popular back then that you just never yeah. want to watch. No them. doubt you're going to see Jerry Maguire in there as mm-hmm. well. Movies like that. But I guarantee you, any pawn shop, any flea market in America, by God, you're going to get all the Saw movies. That's another interesting Dollar a pop. Another interesting story, too, is that there's a huge market. Because I bought like a Nintendo. Well, I didn't buy a Nintendo 64. I had an old one of mine and started buying games for it. I didn't realize when I started, I thought this would be something I can do cheap that, like, you know, since nobody gives a fuck about Nintendo 64. No, oh, no. Oh, no. The, uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the retro game stuff, man, there's really, aside from maybe Sega Genesis, Sega Genesis isn't really, I mean, it's kind of valuable, but compared to all the other, like, consoles of that era or whatever, it's probably the only one that you could get games kind of cheap on. Yeah, like, I mean, all I wanted was really to buy Mario Kart. It was like 40 bucks, 50 bucks to get it online. And then there's a guy down at the flea market of all places that that's all he sells is Nintendo games. Yeah. And every one of them is about the same price. They're like 40 bucks, 30 bucks. About the same you paid for them when they came out. You'll be itching for the Nintendo 64 Classic when it comes out next yeah, year. Yeah, I probably will buy that. I'm not buying any of the other If one. they make one. They will. I heard that they already bought the rights and everything. Or I don't know how that works. Re-updated the rights or some shit for 64. Who knows? So they could but do yeah, that. I mean, Nintendo seems to be, that's a good little holiday gift that, you know, evidently they're coming back out with the NES classic next year. So NES is something I can't play anymore, by the way. Like it's just too, like it goes too far back. It's like trying to play Atari or something now. Like there's a couple of games that I can play. And actually, you still have fun, but most of those games you just can't. Eh, I don't know. I mean, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, play it probably all day. Yeah, but the thing about that is, is that the 64 version, of, uh, not 64, but the Super Nintendo version of Punch Out is actually even better than the goddamn Mike Tyson version. Well, the, to me, the nostalgia of the first one, like, I don't, I don't know, I just love that. And Zelda and all the Mario. I mean, I don't know. I there's probably not as many as the Super Nintendo, but the ones that are, you know, that I remember growing up, like the you know Zelda, um, Excite Bike, Super Mario, WrestleMania, Punch Out. Oh yeah, WrestleMania Challenge. It's one of the worst. King of the all the WWF games back then were. Oh God. Really, on the Super Nintendo too, they were all shitty. I was actually surprised. Um, about the because uh, I was just looking around for things like games that were um, considered to be the best wrestling games for the 64 mm-hmm. and everybody universally said No Mercy was like one of the best games basically what No Mercy is is WCW versus NWO for WWF it's the yeah, same but, well they did a couple of them um, Wrestlemania 2000 I think was the first one it was the same yeah. engine or whatever they call it yeah, those games are awesome. Like the, as far as wrestling games go, you I can play those for at least I can. I play them for hours. Like. Yeah, I and the that was really when the creator wrestler become yeah. kind of like a big thing too. So, but it I think it all started from. Uh, I mean, the WCW one was the first one in the United States, but I think it was like a 
It was something in Japan that started it. I think it was New Japan's or maybe All Japan's game in Japan. Mm-hmm. And then WCW moved it here and then WWF got it and all that. But yeah, I've actually still got uh, both of those WWF games mint in the box at my house. Uh, the No Mercy one my goes parents house. pretty good lot. It's actually, I mean, the, uh, see, I had WCW vs. NWO Revenge and that was the one I was playing like the most. I lost the first one, the World Tour one or whatever. But the Revenge one, everything about that game is exactly the same on the No Mercy one. Like the controls, the everything you do is the, the same. Mm-hmm. Like they just took the same whatever that is and ported it over to that game, put like WWF people in it. So any ones that are based around that, like I can play like immediately. There's there's some more though that came out later, like uh, Attitude, all these fucking Oh, God, games. yeah. Awful fucking. WWE, wasn't it? Um... There was a couple of them, yeah. There was Attitude. What was... Uh, um, there was... Um, now, the SmackDown games, those were on PlayStation or something, weren't they? Yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any SmackDown games on 64 that I know yeah. of. There, there was... All uh, those games were shitty, though. They're like the kind... You remember the ECW game that was on uh, PlayStation? It was yeah, cool. Anarchy Rules Yeah, they're kind of like that. that. They look like that, and they kind of play like that. Don't Pieces even... Shit. I got them all for like two bucks, like... Yeah, but I mean, going back to the, as far as the popularity, the N64, like that's probably come along in the last maybe two years or something. Yeah, it's like, I don't remember anybody ever giving the, a shit about 64 until recently. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of games that have always been worth quite a quite a bit on it. Um, Conker's Bad Fur Day is yeah, one. that's one you always uh, see. Golden Eye has always I've one. I've got that's, that one still, which I did play yeah. that one forever, but I just... Any of the Mario it. games on it, like Mario 64, Mario Kart. Yep. Um I got six. Zelda, if you've got Ocarina of Time, I think was the big one. Actually, the one that's like the most expensive is the sequel, and it's hardest to find, or harder to find. It's not that hard to find. It's called Majora's Mask, mm-hmm. and um, something about somebody was telling me the way that it was made. It was in one of those cases, like colored, not like a normal uh, sixty-four case. Which it was a colored. <laughs> My God, not like a gray. It was like colored purple or gold. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, something about why it tore up really, really easily. Mm. So, like, there's fewer of those you can find that aren't fucked up completely, like where kids get a hold of them and stuff. Right. But you end up paying, like, between 30 and $40 for that one in particular. Like, And I'd like Yeah, play if you're it. actually a hardcore N64 collector, like, I come across some shit from time to time. I'll send it to you. I'm like trying, Facebook auctions yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm trying to... Basically, there's only two games I want left, really, that is Mario Kart and Majora's Mask. I'll tell you another killer game on the N64. Um, probably one of my favorites, aside from them wrestling games, was uh, Excitebox 64. I don't think I ever it's played it. It's actually really, really fun. Yeah. So. I don't think I played that. I mean, there's a couple more that I played that would be cool to have, like... Um, uh, Star Fox 64 and stuff like that. I've got that, I think. Yeah, but I... Like I'm really more interested in like the wrestling games and the like the franchise games like Mario and Zelda and stuff like that. That'd be good. Have you got the Zelda game for the Switch? Yes. Yeah, I got. You that actually one. like that? I thought that was a great game, or think it's a great game. Yeah. We bought. Um, I don't have the Mario game yet though. The Odyssey. Well, or that whatever. just came out though. I think. Yeah. yeah. We got Mario Kart. That's fucking awesome. I don't have that one. I love that. Yeah, one. I would definitely recommend that. Like, I'm not even real big into like the new games and stuff but that's like i could probably play that for hours and hours is it the and same? it's not really a it's not really i mean 
maybe I haven't played it that way much, but it's like if you've got multiple controllers playing it with people is really what's fun. Yeah, about I mean, that's yeah. not why I would play those games yeah. anyway. Because it's not it. like you... I don't know if it has like a like a quest or something you go on and you win all these. Maybe it does. I don't know, but well, I haven't the, played it for that. The only reason anybody played those games was just play against each other. And I actually have the Street Fighter game as well, but I haven't I haven't opened it, believe it or not. I just haven't fooled with it yet. I think I'll probably end up getting those for try to get those for Christmas or something like that. Like all those games. Yeah. Well, I want to, the Mario one's probably a must, but uh, yeah, I haven't got it yet either. But anyway. So, so yeah, it is Halloween season, baby. I don't know how we got started on that tangent talking know. about Super NES or M64, if you will. Or, you know, the Atari Jaguar. Sega Saturn. Yeah. 3DO. Dreamcast. <laughs> There's so many of them. But I was thinking, like, we hadn't done a Halloween show up to this point, And I was thinking, like, what could we do that we really haven't done yet? Because we've done a lot of, like movie review related shows yeah. and things like that and um so i got on a big kick recently listening to like uh, ha- not really halloween theme music but like horror theme music by bands and i don't mean like john carpenter scores or shit like that i mean like these were bands that just put out music related to horror in one way or another um people that usually liked horror movies that also happen to be musicians that did so so i thought an interesting idea would be to do like actual horror radio which would be like a djing kind of thing where you talk about the song or the band or why you like it and then you play the song which i thought would be oh you want me to actually play the song i do i don't think the copyright uh, issues are gonna get us in trouble i don't want you to play it now but yeah at some point yeah or, or you can um you know if Anybody out there has any other horror suggestions for, you know, music that goes along with the same sort of thing, just, you know, we, we post this shit all over Facebook. Give us your recommendations. Yeah. Because everybody, I mean, there's a thousand bands that have been playing things like this for a long time. So I think that we would just start, like, going back and forth, talking about the band, the song, whatever you want to, whatever you want to do like that. I didn't really have, like, a set idea of how to do it, but... Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll let you go first because this was kind of your idea. Okay. So, uh, hit me. Well, the number one band, I think, for this time of year, for me, just based on the kind of music I like, is The Misfits. And The Misfits that I'm talking about, there's like three different incarnations of that band. You got the early one with Danzig, you got the Michael Graves era, and you got the Jerry Only era, which was where he was singing and things like that which I don't listen to either of the last two. I just fucking can't. I can't mm-hmm. stand either of the last two versions. There's some people that like, they're really into Michael Graves and they're like, this well, is. Well, di- the, the thing about Michael Graves is it's a different, it's a different take really. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's, not it's a uh, different band. But it's like, well, it's not a good example because I like both of them, but it's like, you got people that are diehard Aussie and people that are diehard Dio. I have like both of them, but some people are just like, yeah, this is the version of the band so for me, it's the original version of the band. Right. So, I mean, they, they basically their whole persona, and they were one of the first bands, like punk bands anyway, to use like a horror theme kind of thing. Before that, it was like the Ramones. We didn't really have anything to do with horror movies, the Sex Pistols, stuff like that. Right. But they put the, they dressed with the skulls. They did the whole thing. All their songs pretty much were about like something to do with horror films. But I feel like if it's Halloween, you got to play 
Halloween 1 and Halloween 2, the songs. They're only like together three or four minutes long, but it's like Halloween 1's a punk song. Mm-hmm. It's like a straight through, you know, fast up-tempo punk song. Halloween 2 is this weird-ass like version where it starts off with like being played in reverse, and it's a slow, like really slowed down version of the same song, same chorus and everything. And you like book in together and it's kind of like a weird uh, concept thing or something. But those are like the two that, I mean, there's a million misfit songs that deal with this stuff, but those are the two like for Halloween, that would be my two picks right off the bat. So I guess we're going to play them. Magic.
Oh, yeah. So we are back. Uh, played you a little bit of Misfits there, and it feels like I'm actually on uh, uh, WMDJ or something like that. They never play <laughs> this like shit. like McKinney. Yeah. I wish they did play shit like this. I probably listen to that more. So, um, like, one of the ones that I definitely wanted to um, – mention on here because it was like the, whenever he whenever he mentioned the whole concept of doing this show uh that was the first band that came to mind and it was the 80s um i don't know i would call them like kind of like the first horror metal band maybe or something like that because most of their songs were you know well, yeah about hell and they had to be one of the first blatantly like horror related and it was weird yeah it it came uh during the era when like the hair metal bands were really popular Uh and shit so um the band i'm talking about is grim reaper which honestly like a lot of people may not realize this they actually came out with a new album last year uh they came out of retirement after almost uh what was it almost 30 years yeah. 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 Wasn't that guy like Stephen Grimm that was a lead singer? Wasn't he a record producer or something like that? I think I'd heard something about that, but uh yeah, I I mean I don't know. Um as well, far he may as have been homeless. He was either a record producer or homeless. He had um I think he had some um physical uh limitations as well. I think that he has like um amputated foot or something like that now and he's still Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't laugh at Steve Grimmett, man. I apologize. I'm just trying to imagine that concert. Yeah. yeah. I mean, would you do it like sitting down? Would you do like a Dave Grohl kind of thing? Or I don't. I you... couldn't imagine you could do that type of music sitting down. That'd be hard. It would be. But I mean, is he in any kind of shape now? Was he basically no, look the same like as he did? He's fatter than he was. He's a fat man. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen Grimmett. Uh, but I'll say this about him. He had a hell of a voice. Like I don't know if he still does, but he definitely did around this time period. That's true. So, um, yeah, the one we're going to play is from 1987. It is on the Rock You to Hell album. It is Not of the Vampire. It's only looking for your life. Yeah. So enjoy here on Dead Pit. Not God.
And welcome back to Dead Pit Radio. So we're right in the midst. It's an evening with Dead Pit, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter, does it? I'm still stuck in like 2010. So we're kind of in the middle of this playlist of songs, uh, Halloween-related songs by bands and stuff that we like. And the guy that I'm going to pick next um, had probably one of the most unusual careers of anybody that we're going to talk about. He started out playing with a band called the 13th Floor Elevators, which was a psychedelic band back in the, I believe it was late 60s, early 70s. And he had one really big hit that I don't know if a lot of people even uh, have heard. It was a pretty big hit for that time. Uh, It's called You're Gonna Miss Me, which is also the name of the uh, documentary that they did about him in 2007, 2006, 2007. Um his name is uh, Rocky Erickson. It's spelled like Rocky, but it's pronounced. And he did he did songs on the Return of Living Dead soundtrack. Yeah, he's as the well. one that did Burn, yeah. which is a song that's played by James Caron. Did he? If am I not mistaken, I might be thinking of somebody else. Was he not like a country singer at one time or something? Too? No, he was never. He was like a uh, or rockabilly, like or rockabilly is kind of like guy. So what happened was in the sixties and seventies, he did like three hundred acid trips. Going into the seventies. He went insane. They committed him to a mental hospital for years, from what I can remember. And they diagnosed him with schizophrenia. And they don't know if it was because of acid or if it was because he just developed whatever. But he comes out, and around about 1981, he does probably one of my favorite albums of all time for anybody, which is it's Rocky Erickson and the Aliens. Uh, It's called The Evil One. Every song, I don't know what happened to him, but he went from the psychedelic thing where he's like, I guess because of the schizophrenia, he got obsessed with horror movies and horror-related things. So pretty much every song on that album has some sort of horror theme to it. You got, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I think of demons. Uh, if you have ghosts, uh, oh Jesus, Bloody Hammer, there's um, Night of the Vampire, another Night of the Vampire, which is nothing like that. Did you ever hear... Um I know that Ghost did a cover of If You Have a Ghost. I have, have it. Heard? It's fucking awful. Yeah. You didn't like it? No. I actually really like it. Well, it's nothing like... like. Yeah, but that's what a cover should be. Yeah, but it's... I don't know. I I did listen to it like not too long ago. It is like a new wave Yeah, to me, though, if somebody's doing a cover song, it should not be like the original at all. It should be like their own... Like their version of it. Well, it certainly does accomplish that. And depending on like what way you're coming at it i'd say you either love that version or hate it well i mean his was like his version is like slow kind of wasn't it or yeah his version is like um and theirs was more of like a you know a faster their, their version was like what a, a newer metal is kind of, i don't even know how to describe that version really um they're their own play. band i think i don't think they're they're really i don't really know how to describe them either yeah it's but no it's really nothing like the original um but the one that I'm going to pick, and I, by the way, I recommend that you anybody buy that album or listen to on YouTube. Buy it now. But uh, the, ver- the song that I'm going to pick is um, Creature with the Atom Brain because uh, it combines everything. It's like, it's a straight up song about sci-fi horror, but it also has spoken parts in it that are like directly out of movies, which I always liked, like when uh, another guy we're going to talk about here shortly i always like when rob zombie did that back in the early days of white zombie before he started fucking screaming and yelling uh, 
yeah all the time. But originally, like he would take um, clips and things like that from horror films like Dawn of the Dead and stuff like that, put them into the song and like mix them into the song, mm-hmm. which was a really cool idea if it fit with the song. But anyway, this is uh, 1981, I think, that he did this. So this is a creature with the atom brain. Yeah. On WDIP Radio. <laughs>
Scott, and that was some uh, Rocky, no, Rocky. Yeah, it's spelled Rocky. Rocky Erickson? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, we were talking about this while we were listening to it. He's got his own, I mean, it's a, it's almost like a singing Charles Manson. It Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like that, because yeah. if you, one thing got about. got that going for him. One thing about him is, is that. He's from Texas, I think from around Austin. So I think that's where that voice comes from, like the way that he sings. Right. You know? But the lyrics and stuff that he wrote, you could tell he had schizophrenia. He's like, it's completely fucking insane. Like, none of it really makes any sense, but that's also kind of what's appealing to it as well. Um, but he could sing the phone book to me anyway. I mean, the way that his voice is, and I would probably listen to it. Just one of those guys. Yeah. And this is, a, I mean, this is this the, the whole concept of this show, I guess, is to maybe introduce some people to the type of stuff that we listen to. And like, as far as the horror psychedelic, you know, theme, it really does go with this time of year. Yeah. So, um, one of the other ones that I actually had setting up over here is, um, from one of our favorite bands, uh, especially their first album. I think it's probably one of the best first albums that I can recall is a uh, wasp. I think this one came out in 1984, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. From Sanctuary Records. And just look at the fucking cover. You can see why we fucking picked this. It looks like a damn... <laughs> it does. It looks like a fucking uh, haunted house or something. <laughs> well, Blackie um, was definitely unique. I just hate the fact that he won't play a lot of those songs shit now because yeah. he's he like a fuck like a beast anymore. No, he's a born yeah. again Christian, I guess. Which, I mean, I guess that's good for him, but still, I don't know what that has to do with anything related to music that you sing. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, this first album of, of theirs, I mean, almost every song on it's amazing. Um, but I think the one that, I mean, they've got I Want to Be With Somebody on here, Love Machine, um, Hellions on here, On Your Knees, mm-hmm. The Torture Never Stops. Uh, but the one that, that really hit home with us. We actually played this song probably 50 times over the years as hail Lord. Yep. Is, uh, sleeping in the fire. So we're going to, we're going to kick it to some old school Blackie lawless, Chris Holmes. And, uh, what's this other guy's name? Randy, Randy something. (laughs) Randy. It don't matter. What? The fucking guy looks like Paul Stanley with that makeup on. (laughs) <laughs> he does. Looks like he's got cotton candy for hair, that guy. Yeah. Uh, one of the only slow songs off this album, though, is a, is a great song. Well, it starts slow, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it is, again, Sleeping in the Fire by Wasp. Dead Pit Radio, boys.
All right, so welcome back from uh, Sleeping in the Fire. And Wasp and that particular song. Takes uh, the love. We're really big on, uh, as a lot of bands around that time were on Lucifer. You know, that's, that's a that very big. common theme. Lucifer was very popular around this time. Yeah, which was a big inspiration for Lucifer's ass, which came along. It really was. Later. Lucifer's ass was, yeah, was just on a whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess... With that, so all those bands from that time period were heavily influenced. If they had anything to do with metal, and especially if they had anything to do with metal and horror films, were heavily influenced by the next band that we're going to play a song from too. And I think that probably this is where this all starts. Like, there's people that argue about this. Does it start with Alice Cooper? Does it start with you know uh, it was the Iggy Pop and all these guys that came out around these time around the mm-hmm. same time? It's really hard to say. But I do know that this is the band that popularized this and probably the band that all these guys copied off of. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Like, what's really insane is to listen to that and know that it came out in the late 60s. I know, yeah. I mean, that's just nuts. Well, one thing that I remember... Well, wasn't it true that Paranoid... This and Paranoid recorded the same damn time, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. They they could both come out in 1970, yeah. Yeah. But the thing I always remember Ozzy saying, and this is Black Sabbath, by the way, of course, the band we're talking about. But the thing I remember Ozzy saying that's true is like Tony Iommi was one of those guys that just had like a million different riffs in his head. But I mean, the riffs go back to this album. Like they, this, this particular album is more kind of jazz mm-hmm. influence. Like if you listen to the whole thing, it wasn't until Paranoid, all the songs on Paranoid are much more like rock, metal, straightforward. This album is much more like even Billboard's playing like jazz drums on a lot of the songs, and Naomi's playing like jazz kind of guitar. Uh, it's like a combination of what they were doing before and then what they started doing with all the power riffs and things like that. Right. That he was that he would eventually come up with. I think the first big like power riff song uh, is NIB. Like that's the one where you're like that's a riff like based around chords that's an entire like a riff to a song um but the one that i wanted to pick is the actually play on here it's such an odd song because it's not really metal in the sense of the word like it's not a fast song until the very end and it's not really even like um it's not a hard song or anything like that it's just the tone of the song it's got and, some atmosphere to it yeah. and the lyrics and everything else it kind of sets the stage for any other band that would try to do something like this which is yeah. well yeah i mean the the title track too is is the name of the band of course came from a uh boris karloff movie yeah which yeah. is very you know awesome like anthology film too so Another thing that I wanted to mention on here was the cover for this. Oh, yeah. And it's infamous because I think it's like a, the location's been verified, right? Right. They There's know where pictures, it's at. Yeah. Nobody knows who that woman is on the cover. She was some yep. sort of, the only thing that I think Geezer Butler or somebody said in the interview was she was some sort of model at the time. She don't look like a fucking model to me. She looks like a witch. 
Yeah. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I don't know where, if they got her at Witches R Us or what. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's funny because it lends itself to kind of like the mystique of the band because nobody knows who this woman is. There's no like verification that she even existed for that matter. Yeah. And it's a wild like cover as well. Very, mm-hmm. very odd. Yeah. But it, you know, it suits the theme of the record though. So it does. And it kind of, kind of all begins in a way with uh well metal kind of all begins with this record as well as like this kind of theme of music too mm-hmm. and it kind of begins with the song black sabbath
I mean, listening back to Black Sabbath as well, I mean, it's almost like, I don't know if I can think of a song that kind of sounds like hell would be. Yeah. Well, you got like... Other than maybe, I don't know, Justin Bieber or something like that. It's it's the, I think it's the combination of how much like space is in between everything in that song, how slow it is, and and just the way that he sings it. Is just so kind of purposeful, and it is the best his voice ever sounded I, I, by far. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you get into like the cocaine-driven era when he was making Master Reality and things like that, it gets higher and higher and higher. I don't know how, but like at that point, it was like perfect range for that. Well, the thing too, like there's all kinds of stories about, you know, the Iomi cut his finger, like parts of his fingers off, and plays those chords with like plastic fingertips. Mm-hmm. So, and that actually leads more to that sound as well. Yeah, and well, the drop tuning. Yeah, and everything all that had stuff. to be dropped down so he could actually play it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's very, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen almost everything you can see on Black Sabbath and stuff like that. Like the behind the music, all the, you know, movies, documentaries and stuff like that they made on them. So, um, another one that we would be, I mean, it, we'd get a thousand emails if we didn't mention this guy on this show would be Alice Cooper. And I know the um, song uncle Bill mentioned, welcome to my nightmare is one of the big ones, you know, the people, mm. but hell man, I mean, almost on every album that he had, I remember one that he had that I loved as a kid that was on, um, I think it was the Wayne's world soundtrack. It was actually called feed my Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. And that was, yeah. I actually really love like the eighties, era alice cooper like i've got um raise your fist and yells like mm-hmm. a 86 87 album of his it's fucking awesome so well, i haven't listened to that in a long time but yeah i mean he he would be perfect for this type of show i can't i mean one another one too i know it's kind of like hokey now but it's actually pretty good is the uh 
uh, the uh, he's back, the version from uh, Friday Thirteen Part Six, where he actually sang the title track to the movie. Which I mean, it's one of those songs. You can, it's not a standalone song. It's right. got references to Jason and stuff in it, but still, it's like a cool '80s driven. Yeah, he's actually. Song. I knew there was one um, that was actually. I think it was meant to be on a soundtrack. I don't know if it actually was. Um, Prince of Darkness is on Raise Your Fist oh, yeah. in Hell yeah. as well. Which it was probably it was probably on the Prince of Darkness, which he was in, like meant to be on that. If it wasn't. Yeah, I think it was meant to be on that. I don't think it was actually. I don't. I don't even know if they had a soundtrack for Prince of Darkness. It was just. Steve but Alice Cooper was actually in Prince of Darkness. It was just John Carpenter. I mean, it, the, that was the only soundtrack. Yeah. I don't think it had any actual. So I song think that, that he kind of wrote it for. But that's actually a really, really good song. Um, on this, I haven't listened to this album forever, but it's killer. I'd actually like to get that one on vinyl. Yeah, but it's we, we were talking, you know, while we were listening to the Black Sabbath and stuff that. He's a weird kind of counterpoint to Black Sabbath because they both came out at almost the same time in terms of like the getting popular and everything. But their music to me is couldn't be any more different. It's mm-hmm. not at all the same type. They're singing about similar kind of stuff in different right. ways. Uh, and Alice Cooper had the whole uh, anthology thing where he was doing the uh, Stephen uh, theme stuff, uh, talking about that evolution of that character. And he was doing all the, you know, kind of poppy songs like School's Out, stuff like that. And I don't think Black Sabbath ever really did pop you almost song. Get, you almost get the sense that Alice Cooper was kind of like tongue-in-cheek as yeah. well. Like and Black was, Sabbath was deadly fucking serious. Right. Like, like Alice Cooper was kind of like winking at you while he's talking about all this shit. Yeah. Like you didn't really ever feel that threatened by him. But right. Yeah. Not the same for Black Sabbath. Right. No. You constantly felt threatened by them but the, there there was the album welcome to my nightmare which was the one that had a lot of the concept stuff on it too and then he had the another album that's great of his that is doesn't really have anything to do with horror films but billion dollar babies which is great in and of itself yeah a lot of stuff he's got there. a lot of yeah a lot of stuff i mean hell he's still doing it He's what probably fucking eighty years old. Yeah, he still tours. He was he was with the Foo Fighters or something recently. I saw on there like they brought him out and he sang some of the songs. But I mean, he's from Detroit. Black Sabbath's from fucking England. Birmingham. Oh man, come on! I was actually watching. uh, Nikki Six has a podcast now. I don't know if you. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, and they've got Zach Wild and Ozzy on the podcast. And I swear to God, man, if you thought Ozzy, you couldn't understand him ten years ago. Holy shit. You need like closed yeah. caption? It's, um, I think they had Zach on there to kind of talk maybe for him. <laughs> like decipher? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but anyway, I mean, you could talk about, we could go on about this sort of, you know, topic. We haven't even talked about Ozzy's solo albums. True. As well. I mean, there's at least two or three that you could do that with as well. But Well, you think about like, uh, even stuff like Bark at the Moon had oh, yeah. horror related stuff, yeah. you know, influence. That Blues, video and Blues everything. Blues of Oz, Bark the Moon, mm-hmm. Ultimate Sin. Pretty much yeah, all three of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, which... I guess we'll we'll do the Alice... What Alice song do you want to do? Whichever one. I, I, like you said, they're pretty much all related to horror films. Well, I think everybody has probably heard like Welcome to My Nightmare. There's one on here. Since I've got the CD, it'll be a little bit easier for me to do. I just I don't even remember it, but it just sounds horror related. So um, this one's called Chop Chop Chop. 
Chop, chop till you drop. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually really fucking awesome. Like, oddly cute. enough, yeah, it's Ooh, one of those songs shit. that kind of comes out of nowhere, but is very fitting to the theme of the show. That's right, chop, 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 motherfucker. So, uh, yeah, can't say enough about Alice Cooper. I actually forgot I saw Alice Cooper. It's one of those concerts where I just yeah, he played at the about Expo it. Center in front of like 50, 50 people. There's really like probably, I would say, maybe three or 400 people there. Like there wasn't a lot of people, which made it even more killer somehow or another. The only thing I remember about that show especially was that somehow or another he lost one of his swords. Like he, he somebody, somebody, stole either it. somebody grabbed it or he th- accidentally threw it out there or something yeah. like that. Wouldn't be too hard to find. Just look at the pawn shop the next day. <laughs> That's true. Have it there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I've always loved his stuff. I always like his slow stuff a lot too. But I guess the last band that I got, and it's uh, going to be the last band. We end it yeah. after this. I mean, it is a good idea. Maybe we can do this something similar in the future. Yeah, um, we can do our best. Uh, you know, our, our top ten, um, you know, eighties country bands or something like we that. We could do. Yeah, you could pretty much do. You could do like the top ten worst metal bands or something if you wanted to. But the thing about it is is this format is like 
a format that I know we haven't done anything like this exactly before. And really the only thing going on in horror right now is it. Like it's overshadowed everything else that's going on. That's true. Horror wise. So I haven't and seen it. Is something, it. Since this is going to be released on Halloween, it'll be something that somebody can have on the background. Yeah. And, you know. So I was thinking like, um, about different bands and things like that that have done horror related stuff. And we've done metal kind of stuff. We've done like folk kind of stuff. We've done straight up like rock and roll kind of stuff. This is a weird combination of all those uh, kinds of music and probably one of the first like garage rockabilly bands that I can remember, which is the Cramps. Uh, around about 1976, they come together right around the punk scene with the Ramones and all those people like that. But they don't do anything like that. Like their music is nothing like any of those other kind. Their music is more like country, rock, and what you would know is like rockabilly now. And the weird thing about them was that they were husband and wife, and the wife played guitar, which is odd. Like you don't see a lot of punk bands at all where like a female plays guitar, let alone like somebody's wife. And then he was the singer. And basically their first two albums were all kind of, I won't say horror themed, but more like 50s sci-fi slash horror movie themed. When you got stuff like uh, Goo Goo Muck, you got stuff like uh, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, and you got stuff like the one that uh, I really wanted to play, which was uh, Human Fly, based on the Vincent Price Fly Mm -hmm. movie, which... all of the early stuff that they did with maybe the exception of a couple of songs were centered around horror films in some way or sci-fi films in some way or another. And the way they went about doing it was great because her guitar playing is really, really unique. It's like uh, Chet Atkins without the solo. There was not a lot of like bar chords and there was not a lot of fucking, it was a lot of open chords and a lot of picked out, like riffs mm-hmm. like from open chords throughout the uh throughout the songs and it's something that i think is probably different than anything else that we've done tonight so this is from uh i believe this is from songs the lord taught us which is the actual name of the album of the cramps uh human fly the human fly you're on dead pit i don't know what the fuck it is is it radio it's wdip fuck you
So we're winding down the show here. That was the cramps with human fly. And, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. This is something that we've never tried before. Uh, if you guys like it, let us know. We could probably next Halloween, maybe do another similar show. It's not that difficult to do. We're just playing music. So, um, the one that I picked out here lat to actually just close the show with is from one of my favorite country music artist uncle bill's a big fan as well Love him. he was asking about uh what song was you asking about if that was him oh god he got stuck in my head the other day yeah uh what was his popular songs like i'm trying to remember which one straight it was. to kayla Knight. yeah that was it yeah oh, okay i was like it came on the radio and just his voice where he was doing all that that's <laughs> right yeah it's exactly like that i was like god damn he's really overselling this song hey one thing you gotta say though they ain't no motherfucker that sings like john anderson that's true he is the only person that is you can say what you want but yeah there's nobody else that sounds like him so um i thought this would be a fun song to end with and kind of like it was another one that came out in the early 80s off of the uh all the people are talking album and uh, we'll just end the show i hope everybody enjoyed the show um uh and this is a fun little song that i remember as a kid it's just called haunted house so <laughs> are you shitting me no i gotta hear he's this. singing about a haunted house i've got to hear this because <laughs> i guarantee you i've never heard it no, I'll play it for Uncle Bill. You all can let me know what you think. We're going. I guess we're just going to close the show with it, but I hope everybody enjoyed. This is Haunted House by John Anderson <laughs> from 1983. Until next time, I'm the Creepy Kentucky. And I'm Uncle Bill. And you've been listening to DeadPit.com. I just moved in my new house today. Moving was hard, but I got spread away. Bells started ringing and changed right and loud I knew I'd moved in a haunted house Still I made up my mind to stay And nothing was gonna drive me away Tell us ain't something that give me the creep It had one big eye and a two big feet I stood right still and I did the freeze and he did stroll right up to me Made a noise with his feet that sounded like a drum He said, don't you be here when the morning comes Say, if I be here when the morning comes I be right here and I ain't gonna run I cause about this house, now you know I'm boss And ain't no hanging gonna run
In the kitchen the stove was blazing hot The coffee was pouring in the pot All the grease had melted in the pan I had a hunk of meat in my hand He ate the raw meat right from my hand Then he drank out grease in the frying pan I said to me, boy, you better run I say if I be here when the morning comes, I'll be right here and I ain't gonna run. I cause about this house, now you know I'm boss. Ain't no hate like you's gonna run me off. <laughs> 